Welcome back to Superintendent Radio Network. I'm Guy Cipriano. We're here with uh, one of our social media award winners, Jason Hooper from Quilchina Golf and Country Club in Richmond, British Columbia. And unfortunately, we're not talking about social media with Jason. We're talking about something that's affected a lot of golf course superintendents in his part of Canada and also the United States. We're talking about drought and water restrictions. I think when a lot of us outsiders here Vancouver or the Pacific Northwest or British Columbia, we think it rains all the time, and that's certainly not the case. First off, explain to people what, what you've been dealing with since the spring. Yeah, I mean, typically, I mean, that meant that perception of it rains all the time is true for the months of October through mid-April. Um, that's typically what we experience. And then, and then even into May and June, we still get substantial rainfall to kind of uh, – um, you know, start us off right for the summer in terms of moisture and the prof- soil profiles and things like that. Uh, this past season was obviously much different for us. Um, we got into a drought quite early this year, so we, we didn't uh, get the typical heavy rains that we get in April, uh, very little rain in May, and essentially no rain in June. And, you know, I think a lot of um, a lot of folks out here were just in denial of what kind of spring we were having in terms of you know the drought because everyone's so used to to getting the rains that we typically get in the spring. So I think there was okay. The 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 mentality was well that rain's going to come. It's probably just going to be a wet July and and August and and uh, you know unfortunately it's going to be a wet summer. But you know it is what it is. Well that didn't happen. The rains never came. The um, seasonal temperatures were were higher than normal. Um, we had evapotranspiration rates that were through the roof. We set records there for for the amount of moisture being drawn out of our soil profiles. So obviously we were left with with significantly droughty conditions, um, you know, coupled with the high heat uh, created some, some challenges our way. But, uh, I mean, as you'll hear through through this podcast, we, we seem to manage through it okay. Jason, water was obviously taken out of your hands on a lot of parts of your golf course. Just explain the restrictions you had to go through and you had to deal with this past summer. Well, what I what I wasn't aware of, and I learned this year, is um, regardless of what type of year we're having, Metro Vancouver does implement Stage One watering restrictions uh, in the region. Uh, um, so that was that was something new to me. So that Stage One typically is just to um, kind of ask businesses and homeowners and golf courses to to reduce their water use and just be more conscious of, of, of their water use, you know, knowing that we're heading into a, what's typically a dry summer out here anyway in our climate. So um, then, you know, we uh, when when the rains didn't come, the uh, beginning of July, July 3rd, they implemented Stage 2 watering restrictions. So, um, again, not being aware of, of these restrictions, I've I've been here seven years now, and we've never been under stage two watering restrictions. Um, for us, that meant we could still water greens and teas uh, as needed, um, but they restricted our water use on fairways to once a week. Um, so that obviously caused some issues uh, for us. We were mainly POA on our fairways, uh, so watering POA once a week in a hot, dry summer is not ideal. Um, so, I mean, we had some issues with those watering restrictions, and we, we reached out to to the uh, Metro Vancouver uh, officials, watering officials, and and kind of, you know, tried to tried to get some uh, some clarification on that because to reduce frequency versus quantity was was not the right way to go about it in our minds as a superintendent. Um, as those that are, it just seemed like a real uh, kind of uneducated um, limitation. 
so I mean, so what what had happened once they implemented stage two, they actually saw a spike in water use by uh, by the region, um, and that was easily understood why because uh, you know everyone finally had their when they had their their opportunity to water, they just watered their entire window. So, for example, we were witnessing homeowners that were watering their entire five-hour watering window that they had for that week. So that I mean, some of these businesses and homeowners were essentially putting down, you know, and I'm you know not exaggerating when I say this, probably a hundred times what they would have uh, if they were able to water, you know, just a little bit each night. So. The spike in water use during Stage 2 uh, forced the, you know, Metro Vancouver to implement Stage 3 watering restrictions on July 20th. Uh, stage 3 was a big hit for us because now uh, we, we we could still water greens and teas as needed, but that essentially cut off all of our water to fairways. Um, so and we, we were left uh, you know for weeks and weeks without being able to irrigate our fairways at all. Um, greens and teas obviously weren't greatly affected by it. But the uh, you know we just continue to watch the fairways kind of decline over the stage three watering restrictions. For those of you who have never met Jason or haven't followed his work, he's one of the uh, great communicators in our industry. Jason, how did you explain what was going on to your membership, who was obviously seeing a different golf course than they had seen in in the previous summers you were there? Uh, to make sure we we got the message out of what we were facing, you know what the restrictions meant for us and what our game plan was uh, moving forward. We started implementing a, a recovery game plan, uh, you know, as we were in the restrictions and, and started looking at what we knew we were going to have to do in the fall. Jason, what did you learn about turf this past summer? Well, I'll be honest, my, my hopes were not that high for our POA turf. Um, POA does not like extremes, whether it's heat or cold or drought or, or um, too much moisture. Um, so... I mean, I've uh, I've seen a lot of dead poa in my days. I've killed a lot of poa in my days, and uh, you know, I mean, there there were we had sections, large sections of the fairways that that we had read them their last rites. I mean, they were dead, deader than dead, and uh, you know, so we started you know working on an overseeding plan and getting ready to to really um, you know go at it pretty hard once the restrictions were lifted to to focus on nothing but recovery. And, you know, once once we got towards the end of August, we finally started getting some rain into early September, and the recovery has been remarkable. Uh, and what's most remarkable about that recovery is it's it's been with any without any additional inputs. We haven't done any overseeding. We haven't had any fertility applications. There hasn't been any irrigation um, put on the fairway since July 13th. So July 13th was the last time our fairways received any irrigation. It was also the last time uh, they received any fertility or any wetting agents as well. Um, obviously, we couldn't apply wetting agents during the watering restrictions because we couldn't water them in for them to be uh, used effectively. So we learned the, the limitations of our turf. For us, it was a, a huge learning year. We already knew what the limitations of our turf was on the on the one end of the scope of too wet and and, and cool temps. And what we learned this year was our limitations are far beyond what we thought or, or the capabilities of our turf to recover, far beyond what we expected in terms of too uh, too much heat and, and, and droughty conditions and, and obviously watering restrictions, which was new for us. So um, if, if you follow my Twitter account, you know, I like to throw photos up there and uh, 
the recovery has, like I said, been nothing short of remarkable. Jason, how, how do you think this is going to make you a better turf grass manager moving forward? Well, I think, you know, anyone in, in this position can only benefit from learning what we learned this summer. Um, you know, I, and the golf course is going to benefit from it. I mean, the turf that we did lose, which is very minimal, was our, in no doubt in my mind, our weakest species anyway. So it was survival of the fittest, weakest species checked out, and and it, and those species aren't going to come back, so we're going to have a little bit of work to do. Um, but for the most part, I think our strongest stands survived. So what we were able to kind of learn this year is, you know, like I just said, our, what our turf can actually handle. Personally, on, on my for what I've learned is that, you know, again, our expectations of, of turf, maybe we just don't give it enough credit sometimes. And, you know, it's... Uh, it's definitely uh, it's going to change our philosophy moving forward in terms of being able to reduce water even further, um, as long as the membership is again understanding. I mean, obviously, if we get into a year where where we don't have watering restrictions and we have the uh, the opportunity to provide you know nice, lush, dense turf, then our membership is going to want that. But I think for the most part, the membership appreciates um, you know letting it go a little further. And, and knowing that it's going to recover. And we know that now, too. We're confident to be able to say, you know, we can we can handle this. You know, let's let's keep the taps off a little bit longer and, and you know, get, let it get right on that fine line before we kind of replenish some, some moisture. So for us moving forward, I mean, we've learned a great deal this summer. Um, we learned a lot, again, about the importance of communication and, and reaching out to colleagues. I mean, I, I was talking with... You know, superintendents down in California and and all over the the, uh, the continent, you know, all over the world, actually, about that have gone through similar situations. To be able to call on each other and and pick each other's brains and and support each other too, because I mean, I'll, I won't say that there wasn't any stress involved this summer. I mean, I had a lot of sleepless nights thinking, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? It's we're going to be replacing 22 acres of fairways. It's going to be the worst fall ever, and. Uh, uh, you know, kind of get talking to some guys and getting a sense of uh, okay, it's not that bad. Encouragement from from industry colleagues has been huge. I guess one of the unique things about this is you got to provide your members with two unique golf courses this year: a fast and firm, dry course, and your your normal course. What did you learn about the the game of golf and the different playing conditions that that can be provided when something is taken out of your hands? Well, one thing we definitely learned is. Uh, uh, with the advancement in technology of uh, golf clubs and golf balls uh, and, you know, the added distance in a drought and water restriction summer that we had, um, all of our fairway bunkers need to be moved about 50 yards up further uh, if we're going to have another summer like this because our fairway bunkers essentially became out of play, uh, redundant. So um, in terms of uh, maintenance, it was an interesting maintenance year for us. Uh, the bunker playability was greatly affected by having no moisture, um, so not being able to water rough in our green surrounds and things like that. So even just that, those little irrigation cycles, uh, you know, that obviously added some moisture to the bunker, bunkers helped them, uh, you know, play better, they improve the playability of them, uh, allow them to kind of uh, uh, fluff up a bit better when we rake them as well. So bunkers were just, I mean, bone dry, real dusty, all summer long and you know that was an issue for playability um, and then our trees our trees were greatly affected by this drought uh, and watering restrictions we have um, a lot of old birch trees uh, that are well beyond their useful life here so they were already kind of at the latter end of their their days and uh, this 
this this summer with extreme conditions was kind of the final nail in the coffin for a lot of our trees so um we're going to have a lot of uh, i mean we spent most of our summer with on mowing equipment but not mowing grass mulching leaves uh the trees went into uh you know reserve mode and and started dropping their leaves early this year um which is going to be nice for fall cleanup because fall cleanup is usually pretty difficult cleaning up leaves in wet conditions but i'd say we're probably uh well ahead of of schedule for for leaf cleanup this year so Again, we just kind of shifted our focus into um, survival mode and, and just kind of mowing only as needed. Um, we did implement some things that really helped what I believe helped our fairways recover quick this winter or this uh, fall. We uh, raised our heights of cut early into the watering restrictions, um, and we also um, eliminated cart traffic from fairways. So we kept uh, all the carts in the rough, and, and the membership was really receptive to that and understanding. and. Uh, it, it, without a doubt in my mind, has, has allowed the fairways to recover um, really, really quick this fall. So again, it was just kind of moving into survival mode, thinking outside the box, um, and you know, just coming up with ways that we could kind of reduce the stress on the turf and, uh, and, and go from there. So after going through this, are you ready to move over to Ireland and England and be a greenkeeper across the pond, Jason? <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? There's some great guys over there. There's a lot of guys I'd love to meet over there. So uh, I, I, that is on my bucket list one day to definitely get over there and uh, you know maybe partake in a in a bigger conference and and meet some of those great superintendents over there. Last thing, where, where can people find you if they want to see pictures of what happened? Uh, well, Twitter's probably the best way. Um, my Twitter account is at uh, superjhooper. Um, I. I I love to to partake in social media. I'm uh, checking that throughout the day, and and you know I find Twitter being a great resource, uh, not just uh, you know to to communicate to the members and the golfers, um, but to to reach out to other industry professionals, and whether it be um, you know plant pathologists or other superintendents or industry partners. It's uh, I mean the 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 help is out there. The um, the advice is out there if if you just go look for it, and I haven't come across anybody yet that's not willing to help out and share. So, yeah, that's probably the best way, definitely on Twitter. Well, thanks for joining us, Jason. And one thing uh, our listeners might not know about Vancouver is that his season isn't ready to stop. They're going to be golfing throughout the winter if they get good weather. So, good luck with your uh, winter and early spring, Jason. <laughs> thanks, appreciate it. It's been great. You've been listening to the Superintendent Radio Network, the podcast of Golf Course Industry Magazine, a production of GIE Media. I've been your host, Guy Cipriano. You can find all of our podcasts on iTunes or the SRN page of golfcourseindustry.com. Talk to us at srn at gie.net or at GCI Magazine on Twitter. Thanks for listening.